chapters one two and three of philomene's marriages by henri greville translated by helen stanley this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter one philomene's sorrows you see my dear lady i have had much trouble concluded the widow wiping her eyes and still i much fear i am not at the end of it why asked madame aubier innocently because the money affairs are not finished and i am sure my late husband's family will not arrange them advantageously for me you could not ask them that said the good lady not without some evidence of good sense your husband married you in spite of them they have no reason whatever for benefiting you in that division since two years that this has continued it seems to me however that they might have ended it but madame philomene crepin left her phrase unfinished and her confidante tried to terminate it for her but they hope to weary your patience by their delays no philomene replied energetically it is i who retard them and they will end by yielding from weariness if not with a good grace ah said madame aubier regarding the widow with a certain admiration mingled with surprise at this clever conception of which she had not believed her capable the two women remained silent for a moment and philomene's confidante profited by this time of repose to look discreetly out of the window which she had on her left side a wan light penetrated through this window ornamented with little white calico curtains the red cords that gathered up the soft folds of the calico that had no stiffness in it did not succeed in giving it a hospitable aspect any more than did some flowers placed on the inside of the window on a pine shelf made for the purpose that rested on two crossbars the flowers it must be confessed were not of those whose engaging appearance invites sight or smell they were superb cacti of all species ball pear racket and candle-shaped and all bristling with menacing points and thorns nature has not willed that cacti should be attractive when they are not in bloom perhaps a certain mysterious affinity was the reason of the passion which madame crepin felt for fat plants the bureau surmounted by a looking-glass that was hung at a height that rendered it perfectly superfluous served as an étagère and a prodigious quantity of strange and useless objects encumbered it from the wall to its extreme edge exotic shells porcelain figures small baskets made of plaited straw carved coconuts in a word all the rubbish that is found in seaports in sailors homes and in the houses of their relations and friends an inspection of this bureau amply sufficed to prove that m crepin in his lifetime had been a merchant captain the rest of the furniture that was neat and simple differed in no wise from that which is seen in the homes of modest provincial bourgeois the floor was of stone large slabs of schist worn by the feet of several generations were joined unequally forming little cavities where the house dame's broom waged redoubtable combats with dust every day violet-coloured chintz bed curtains a large and handsome cupboard of old oak wood a round table covered with oilcloth and a large cat in the immense chimney-place with its pine mantelpiece blackened by smoke completed the arrangement of this tidy but unattractive room it rains does it not asked madame crepin following her friend's look yes but not very hard however there goes monsieur lavenel the widow controlled a very slight impulse that urged her towards the window then she wiped her eyes once more with her handkerchief ah my poor lady continued she how much unhappiness one has in life you have had your share philomene said madame aubier in a conciliatory tone you can hope for better days and not to reproach the captain's memory you are more at peace than you have ever been since his death madame crepin sighed sailors wives are very unhappy said she 
if their husbands are on shore they tremble lest they shall go away and when they are at sea it is far worse but philomene i could never understand why you married a sailor your father kept a small shop you could have carried it on or begun housekeeping with some good fellow who would have given you help one makes a fortune in such wise while with a sailor one spends all one has i never liked trade madame aubier said the widow confidentially laying her hand on her visitor's knee i detested brown sugar ground pepper and chicory i swore to myself i would leave shopkeeping and i have left it madame aubier said to herself i don't see that you have gained anything by it but as she was a prudent and clever woman she kept her reflection to herself the man who bought the business from you after your brother's inheritance has done well he has enlarged the shop by half and now he has begun to sell pork faux philomene said disdainfully to sell grease and always to have soiled hands is not a fine trade they have however married their daughter very well madame aubier answered more vivaciously and their son-in-law did not find their money dirty to whom did you tell me they married her asked philomene with an absent air her sullen look following attentively the expressions on the face of the good lady without the latter's perceiving it to a member of the chamber of commerce of havre the son of father martinet who made fifteen thousand francs income in the brandy trade a notable tradesman all that is desirable the widow crepin indicated by a disdainful movement of her shoulders that a notable tradesman of havre weighed no more than a straw in her scales there are some for all tastes she then said i know very well had i been a man i would never have married the daughter of a lard merchant your husband though married a grocer's daughter replied madame aubier provoked to maliciousness by philomene's conversation come my dear don't set yourself up you well know that no trade is despicable and besides your father-in-law was a simple fisherman from granville there is nothing to be said against those who having begun from the bottom of the ladder ascend it we are all equal before the lord it is only our virtues or our faults that make a difference the widow crepin did not answer she owed madame aubier five hundred francs and bestowed all the more consideration upon her because she had no decided intention of paying them back to her before an extremely distant epoch besides madame aubier was the wife of a retired infantry captain a government employé she was rich at least comparatively to her slightly gilded mediocrity madame aubier had no children and her servant cooked exceedingly well now philomene liked delicate bits and then one met a great many people at this person's house and always very nice people so she must not quarrel with such a desirable person then continued madame aubier desirous of palliating by a mark of interest what there might have been bitter in her recent lecture you are going to leave off mourning on sunday alas leave off mourning it is not leaving off mourning to put white and black on my bonnet instead of plain crape i shall never wear light colours surely but black is so soiling and then two years of mourning is all that one can exact concluded madame aubier smiling do you know philomene i have an idea that you will marry again i good lord ah if ever such a thought comes to me it will be because i shall have lost my reason after all my sorrows the loss of my husband and that of my three children ah oh, madame aubier i believed you had a better opinion of me there is no harm in one's wishing to marry again answered the honest woman unmoved the harm would be in allowing oneself to be courted by gallants and not wishing to get remarried this is not your case philomene 
but don't say you are not going to be married or else they might ask you why you raise up the corner of your curtain when monsieur lavenel goes by in the morning and your room is not yet arranged who told you so the widow began crimson with confusion and probably also with anger but she remembered very fortunately that madame aubier lived opposite to her on the other side of the street and that she had no need of asking information on that chapter the good lady smiled and her double chin shook complacently on the white silk handkerchief she always wore around her neck it is very natural she continued lavenel is not ugly he is not stupid they say he is a little hard towards people but husbands are not always the same to their wives as they are to other persons it might be he would make a good husband ah madame aubier stop your discourse or else i shall think you wish to pain me after having loved my poor crepin so much can you believe i would desire to marry a lavenel my husband was a hundred times handsomer and nicer and it is not lavenel who could make me forget him as you will philomene as you will it is your affair and not mine besides affection does not come at command nor hatred either now as it rains no longer i will return home good evening do you wish an umbrella madame aubier said the widow eagerly why no thanks the rain is over and besides it would not be necessary just to cross the street well good evening philomene till one of these days till one of these days madame aubier many thanks for your visit on this normand formula that does not mention any date the two ladies separated philomene re-entered her home and stout madame aubier panting and smiling nodded to the gossips on their doorsteps and hastened to cross the street lavenel she said with contempt out loud when she found herself alone lavenel a fine match for me i shall want something better than that when i have made up my mind chapter two a proposal the night had come philomene who as we have said did not dislike good eating was just about removing from the fire a veal cutlet with its usual accompaniment of green peas and inhaled with a voluptuous melancholy the appetizing odor of her supper voluptuously one understands why with melancholy because meat is so dear an indiscreet hand knocked twice on the door and immediately a visitor entered ah it is you monsieur lavenel said philomene in a tone that had nothing engaging in it yes neighbor it is myself do i disturb you the widow had had time to cover the saucepan and to deposit it on the hearth she approached the intruder saying to him oh no oh no exactly as though she had said oh yes oh yes you see i gathered some cherries a little while ago before the rain madame crepin they are not wet don't be afraid and i have brought you a few the few cherries quite filled a basket which their owner placed on the table with that sort of pride which it is agreed to call modesty but monsieur lavenel i shall never eat all those exclaimed the widow a little softened you can make them into preserves returned the gallant visitor sugar is so dear murmured philomene contemplating the cherries with a sad eye bah said the bachelor with an easy air in your position one can procure oneself many sweets that is where you deceive yourself energetically answered madame crepin you must not imagine that i am well off i have hardly enough to make the two ends meet and only do so by depriving myself of everything anyhow don't deprive yourself of cherries here are some that only ask to be eaten lavenel with an absent air plunged his hand into the basket and took out a handful of fruit which he began to nibble slowly 
keeping the stems and pits in his left hand philomene looked at him with a curious air he raised his head and met her look which instantly became full of sweetness happily thought lavenel i know you or otherwise i should think you as sweet as honey ah that would be an illusion as this phrase could not be translated into civilized language he added out loud you distress yourself a great deal do you not madame crepin about what my dear monsieur the widow asked prudently why about everything at being alone at being a widow for having lost your children philomene wiped her eyes at seeing your affairs drag on so long without ending do you wish me to say something it needs a man to carry on all that you will never get out of it all alone they have told me so observed philomene with a wise air after half a second she added but i have no relations near enough to burthen themselves with my affairs it is not necessary to be related in order to help one another neighbor returned lavenel after having allowed an appreciable time to elapse as though he had been meditating his answer i am not a relation of yours but if i can be of service to you in anything oh monsieur lavenel you know very well that that could not be what would they say of it round about said philomene modestly lowering her eyes they can say what they choose neighbor and then all that they might say would not perhaps be far off from the truth philomene who had remained standing until then sat down turning her back to the light and lavenel in order to master his eloquence the better laid on the corner of the table the little heap of stems and pits that he held in his left hand they will say you have friendship for me and that i have the same for you as far as concerns myself at least they will not lie for i have friendship for you madame crepin and a great deal of it madame crepin smiled faintly and her interlocutor sat down opposite her if you would continued he confidentially we might make a pair of friends you are in a nice position ah neighbor i am very poor i do not know who could have spoken to you about my position certainly it is not an enviable one well then neighbor you must change it for another triumphantly concluded lavenel you talk very easily about it murmured philomene making some little folds in her apron which she held in her left hand you have only a word to say madame Grépin, proffered lavenel rising and placing his hand on his heart theodore lavenel grain and flour merchant offers you his hand and his fortune philomene continued to gather together two or three more little folds of stuff then she opened her hand and let them all escape at once you do me a great deal of honour neighbour she answered in a wheedling voice do you accept cried the grain and flour merchant making a step towards her excuse me neighbour i do not like trade said philomene with the same sweet voice lavenel stood stupefied his mouth half open nothing had made him foresee this answer the widow was not in the habit of being according to the language of the country more amiable than is necessary and certainly she had received her visitor very well until then the latter might have therefore prided himself on her especial kindness whence came this unexpected refusal this he asked her as soon as his surprise permitted him to speak i do not like trade repeated madame crepin with an amiable smile you know it well neighbour for since i have been in the world i have not ceased saying so that is not a good reason replied lavenel one might not like trade and still not dislike a tradesman madame crepin smiled again and lowered her eyes then her face regained an expression of resigned sadness neighbour said she 
after all the sorrows i have had after having loved my poor husband as i loved him the thought even of marriage is very painful to me and then added she without looking at her pursuer my mourning is not even finished as you will neighbour replied the grain and flour merchant this perhaps is not your last word he went towards the door accompanied by philomene who looked at him askant with his hand on the latch he turned i have an idea repeated he that this is not your last word perhaps not said the widow with a nod of her head before the astounded lavenel could utter a word he was already in the street and the door was shut the odd woman murmured he as he regained his shop if she had not her few sous i would send her to the deuce the conceited creature while the subject of this discourse returned to her cutlet with a smile as enigmatical if not as sweet as the jaconde m lavenel entered his home where his mother was awaiting him behind the counter knitting indigo-blue woollen stockings the dye coming off on her fingers well said the old woman pushing her fifth needle under the band of her normand coif with its two winged like sides looped up she refused said her son with a sullen air refused but not really not entirely replied the cunning old peasant no not entirely how could you know mother that she only half refused me because i know this crepin woman she is an arrant coquette and a vain creature there is however no reason for her being so murmured lavenel thinking of the yellow hair and pointed nose of the lady of his thoughts ah yes son there is a reason master toussaint's underclerk passed here a little while ago when you were in town the crepine has some valuable land near pieux worth fifteen thousand crowns at least and what is more once her accounts of heritage are settled with her husband's debtors she will have five or six thousand francs in ready money the late crepin's family has consented to yield her the credits coming to the estate on condition that she pays the legal expenses lavenel remained thoughtful his mother looked at him as she was knitting and patiently awaited the fruit of his reflections does she know it asked he at length i do not believe so the underclerk told me the letter only arrived this morning she will be prouder still growled lavenel ah if i were only not in need of money he threw his hat on the counter with a gloomy air there are other girls or widows in the world observed his mother yes but the devil willed it that i should have a fancy for that one formerly i wish i may be hanged if i know why she was pretty in former days before her marriage she has gotten well over it philosophically observed madame lavenel beauty is a perishable gift yes she has gotten over it and yet i know not why when i see her faded as she is something stirs my heart it is perhaps because i loved her so much in past times if i marry her now it will be in order to beat her yes to be at her at my ease so as to revenge myself for all her impertinences did she say neither yes or no to you madame lavenel asked as she went to shut the shop door she said no and then after she said perhaps you well know her cursed habit of never saying anything positively it is a wise habit my son replied the old normand woman it would be better to imitate it than to blame it it is wise when it profits ourselves but it is very disagreeable when it does us harm answered her son as he followed her into the back shop for supper 
but never mind that i'll catch her yet that widow crepin i'll catch her surely and when she is my wife she shall pay me back for all my cringings chapter three hunting a husband the following sunday madame crepin made her appearance in the church at Zielette in a bonnet trimmed with lilac and white marguerites a pretty quite new lilac cravat displayed itself under her chin and proclaimed to all that her mourning was over mourning in the country which is much more severe than that worn in large cities ordains black for two years half mourning colours not daring to make their appearance before the expiration of that period and as madame crepin had loved her husband a great deal there were some rigorous persons who declared she ought to have waited at least six months before she left off entire black do leave the poor women alone said stout madame aubier to a group of matrons who were sharply criticising the widow's marguerites what matters it to you whether she wears lilac or green at her neck has she mourned her husband any less because of it there was no reason for mourning for him so much preferred an angular neighbour in his lifetime she complained enough and said he never came on shore without leaving her with a child on her arms leave the dead in peace continued the good soul the captain and his children sleep tranquilly under their crosses it is very little matter to them now whether madame crepin wears mourning for two or ten years she will marry again soon said another friend and neighbour lavenel goes there every day well what if she should marry again after all the affected airs she put on at the time of the captain's funeral it was because she has a tender heart cunningly glided in a third friend and neighbour she loved her husband very well she will love her second one still better ah but you see the first one had a very great merit that perhaps a second would not have he was scarcely ever with her good heavens exclaimed madame aubier what bad tongues women have far from taking this remark as an injury the neighbours and friends grouped themselves around the stout lady they don't talk as much about you said the boldest because you madame aubier are neither proud nor wicked if everybody was like you the world would go on better come come that's very well said the excellent creature for love of me since i am so good try then to disparage your neighbour a little less there are neighbours and neighbours exclaimed a last kind tongue behind madame aubier who was going away quite out of breath towards her house and who could not reply the subject of this conversation had returned majestically to her home amid many scrutinizing looks when her door was shut she approached the damp-covered mirror and raised herself on the points of her large feet in order to contemplate therein the effect of her ribbons lilac was becoming to her that was incontestable under the ruches and flowers of her bonnet her face assumed an unwonted sweetness philomene had been handsome rather than pretty her regular features once delicate had grown large and sunburn had hardened her skin as she was when an amiable expression animated her face she was still good-looking but in repose in her everyday dress nothing could deceive one from seeing she was thirty-eight years old and that she wore her years bravely with a certain complacency she untied the strings of her bonnet and placed it on a candlestick that held a candle giving it the effect of a mushroom and then she put on a white muslin cap and proceeded to prepare her dinner while taking her repast solitarily philomene went over in her mind the events of her life this day was a sort of solemnity to her a kind of new era in her existence none of the remarks whispered in a low tone in the church none of the scrutinizing and curious glances directed at her bonnet had escaped her and with the surety of memory that characterizes people who bear rancor long she had classed them all in her mind so as to revenge herself at her leisure according to time and opportunity 
but the important result she had obtained destroyed the bitterness of all those sarcasms in laying her mourning aside openly she had prepared people's minds for a second marriage and when this event should take place it would be a surprise to no one yes i will marry again she said to herself in order to entertain herself yes certainly after having passed the best years of my life in waiting for a husband who was always absent i will marry again and i will wed a very good-looking and very nice man who will always remain with me this thought inspired her with an idea to go and look in her cellar for a bottle of wine ordinarily she drank cider in order to make a feast for herself of this day's solemnity she poured out a glass of old bordeaux which the captain had brought home in days past and continued the current of her meditations but i must have a husband of a different stamp from lavenel a pretty bird truly that poor man with his prune-like eyes and his punch's nose he is not even five feet high i must have a large handsome man such as my late husband was only younger i don't wish to give people cause for laughter on this reflection philomene dipped a biscuit in her wine and ceased talking to herself so as to reflect in silence the captain's memory which had been brusquely thrown in the midst of her plans for the future had evoked many far-off thoughts she had always been proud and in the small village they had declared her to be unmarriageable several aspirants chosen by relations and tacitly accepted by herself had found themselves ousted at the end of a few weeks without anything on their part having been a motive for this insult each marriage that failed was not long in being followed by some new demand and certain persons thought they remarked that the newcomer had some advantages over the old ones philomene made of the pretenders to her hand a sort of social ladder of which she pitilessly broke the rounds as soon as she found a higher one the original manner of elevating herself had won for her a number of criticisms some harmless the others bitter on the part of the discarded persons and their families they spoke jestingly of philomene's marriages and soon there could not be found in the country a man bold enough to pay her court besides the young men recognized the uselessness of their efforts although the young girl's dot who was an only child and her parents inheritor was modest enough even for that country it was clear she could marry neither a merchant nor a farmer and these two classes were about the only ones to which she could pretend there still remained at Dielette a notary several retired merchants and the captains of some small coasters but the first sought a wife from a higher sphere the second were too old and were besides for the most part married and the last were of too small account philomene entered her twenty-seventh year without having found the husband of her dreams she possessed at granville a cousin younger than herself an amiable pretty merry girl full of amusing originality this latter had a very strange fate she was scarcely eighteen years of age when a novelist then unknown had come to take sea-baths at their beach the young man who was inflamed with a desire to write there composed his best romance for he fell desperately in love with the pretty crevette fisher and married her at the end of three months never had folly a happier ending the young woman was intelligent she understood that she owed it to her husband never to make him blush for her and she learned all that she ignored with a rare wisdom and one that could not have been expected in her she desired to remain at granville until she became perfectly polished her husband acceded to this desire what did granville or paris matter to him provided his wife was with him the small personal fortune which he possessed permitted him to live liberally in the country while in paris it would have given him hardly the necessaries of life a sojourn of three years in that interesting country in the midst of continuous application was at least as useful to charles verrois as to his wife for he carried away from thence a ripe original talent that soon won him a position just as philomene 
wearied with awaiting at Ziolette for a husband who did not appear had decided to go and seek for one elsewhere she heard of her young cousin's projected marriage it was a good opportunity for seeing the country philomene ordered herself a gown and bonnet and left to be present at the wedding it was a magnificent wedding all granville was present for the marriage of this young girl without fortune or education with a gentleman from paris who had four thousand francs income seemed as fabulous to the people of the place as if a king had married a shepherdess for it must not be forgotten that thirty years ago this country was yet a virgin land to the footsteps of people from the outer world among the guests was a merchant captain who had recently arrived from brazil to see his mother philomene was amiable she was pretty she was known to possess some fortune the marriage was arranged in the twinkling of an eye and three months later she was madame crepin she held at last the ideal dreamed of all her life to be the wife of a conspicuous person it is something to have gained one's end and many among us leave this world without being able to boast of having done so but the end one pursues in life is not a silver service placed at the top of a greased pole it is a moving cloud that changes form as one makes one's way on the road of existence madame crepin's end had been to be madame crepin but when she was in possession of this title she wanted something else at first she would have liked not to have been encumbered with a brood of children heaven in its bounty accorded her five it is true she lost three of them in an epidemic and two shortly after which gave her rest but it was eight years of her happiness and her ambition lost for one is not of much account oneself when one is surrounded by cradles just as she was beginning to enlarge her fortune and embellish her home the captain had an unlucky fall and fractured his skull philomene found herself a widow her sorrow was great for this narrow-hearted woman had loved her husband her love was rather material the better part of ourselves the disinterested tenderness the simple kindness that we feel in our affections when we possess an elevated soul had little in common with the jealous and hot-headed passion that characterized philomene but this passion was love and madame crepin sincerely mourned her husband then after a few months a peculiar feeling a sort of well-being quietly came over her it had been very doleful to see the earth cover the captain's coffin but it was certainly something to be able to listen to the wind moaning around the house with the sweet peacefulness of having no one out at sea rage tempest rage philomene who was addicted to monologues would say thou troublest me no longer now when other people's children were screaming enough to rend one's ears she was wont to throw a quiet look around her well-arranged little home there were no mischievous fingers to write with preserves on the furniture no playthings on the floor no linen hung at the windows no broth to make in the evening no small stockings to mend at night and a sort of pleasant tremor passed over philomene as she thought of her peaceful present life the well-thinking reader and especially if the reader be the mother of a family will be indignant with the author and exclaim loudly that such monsters do not exist a thousand pardons men and women readers they do exist they are to be found everywhere perhaps in your tailor your shoemaker your washerwoman your cousin's son-in-law dear madam when she lives no more your brother-in-law's nephew dear sir who will mourn for him deeply and properly with a very sincere heart who will give him a superb funeral and a year after while wiping the glasses of his lorgnette at the opera will think that after all he did very well to die since his death procures for him the possibility of such sweet pleasures such feelings are not confessed they are not even felt in a very definite manner they remain in a vague and embryo state 
but if the dead even those who are sincerely mourned should think of coming back and reclaiming their goods how they would be sent before the courts with their right of troubling the living contested so philomene was happy in her tranquillity which nothing troubled any more and this happiness had lasted about ten months when a gnawing worm glided into her bosom with the captain had disappeared the renown of her position a merchant captain is a personage and then he brings home from his distant voyages extraordinary objects strange gifts and fancy things that cannot be found for gold or silver in any shop each one of his returns is awaited and commented upon his departures are an event in the small village where his family resides he is given commissions for the other side of the ocean but when the captain dies his widow is of very little importance she falls into the rank of neutral unclassed beings unless she has a large fortune for as every one knows a large fortune is the best of gifts how should she regain her vanished prestige at first the widow occupied herself anxiously in realizing the greatest amount of money and real estate possible and thanks to diverse negotiations made half willingly and half by force she obtained from her husband's family a much larger share than she deserved but how could one refuse a woman who had had five children and so much sorrow was it not very natural to accord her a little well-being for her old age although philomene had made her husband quarrel with all his own people from the first month of their marriage the crepin family acted honourably the sole point on which it showed itself recalcitrant was that of the recovering of the credits and even there they were obliged to yield in the end as the notary's underclerk had informed madame lavenel her fortune was thus assured but it was a very paltry fortune something about eighteen hundred francs income a woman who had refined tastes like philomene could not be satisfied with so little besides she had always dreamed of buying a piano not for herself for she had never had leisure to learn music in spite of the great desire to do so that she had manifested in the first days of her marriage the captain had only laughed at it saying that when one is twenty-seven years old it was too late to become a virtuoso she desired one for the persons who should come to see her should those people know how to play on it now with eighteen hundred francs income one cannot buy a piano even though it should be a kettle-drum well then what remained at thirty-seven years of age life is not over there are women who marry for the first time when they are thirty-seven and even thirty-eight years old they are old maids it is true but a widow of thirty-eight is a young widow and can aspire to a young and well-made husband as they used to say formerly the young and well-made husband was an agreeable perspective but far more brilliant still was what he might bring with him the captain's grade became as in former times philomene's aspirants a ladder no longer a modest ladder a little nothing of a ladder but a pedestal on which to mount up higher lavenel he was a fine aspirant in truth however grain and flour merchant though he was lavenel must not be rebuffed the wise always reserve a pair for thirst and then who does not know that immutable decree that a woman who is courted attracts gallants just as the light attracts moths philomene needed a jumping-jack at the end of a string to show the entire world that she possessed the power of making the ambitious hearts of men who were seduced by her charms and her money bound lavenel made a good jumping-jack he was well enough known in the village and in the neighborhood for philomene to feel flattered at hearing whispered he wants to marry the widow crepin very much she thought his mother disagreeable enough it is true for first the mother of the man she would marry would be naturally disagreeable to her 
and then madame lavenel was too proud too silent too far-seeing philomene only liked imbecile people around her she sovereignly despised them but she did not need to esteem her neighbor there are persons who cannot live with those whom they despise the widow crepin on the contrary would have liked the earth to hold no others it is so sweet to reign over those who surround one and to say to oneself morning and evening on opening and shutting one's eyes to the light all those people are simpletons and i lead them at my good pleasure philomene was enjoying within herself the sweetness of this thought when the letter-carrier knocked at her door thinking it was only the channel lighthouse she arose with an absent air and took two steps to her great surprise the carrier laid the journal and two letters on the bureau End of chapters 1, 2, and 3